If you're interested in learning how I launched Zim Excellence, then you're in luck. Sign up for my podcast workshop and learn how it's easier and more affordable than ever to start a podcast. Also, grab yourself a copy of my podcast resource guide, which covers industry terminology, suggested tech setup, in addition to countless free online resources to support your podcast journey. Just head to wongai.com forward slash podcast creation. That's wongai.com forward slash podcast creation. The link will also be down in the show notes. Now, let's start the show. Who wants to be a homemaker, you know? But I love everything about homemaking and what it stands for because I believe that you know, in the home is where you raise human beings and good humans are made starting at home. And that's why I love, you know, the whole idea of being a homemaker. Yeah, welcome to the party. Hello, Makadini Salibonani. My name is Wongai and you're listening to Zim Excellence, a weekly celebration of Zimbabwe's change makers and trailblazers. So here's the secret, y'all. Zimbabweans are actually dope AF, and it's just time that we recognize it. So grab yourself a plate of sadza and grab that stony ginger beer and let the party begin. Welcome to another episode of Zim Excellence. Today, my guest is a wife and mother of three who loves all things family. With a background in radio and TV broadcasting and over 15 years of being a communications professional in the corporate world, she has a natural gift of being able to connect with people, especially women, from all walks of life and engaging them in simple but deep conversations about womanhood at large and being effective managers of their lives and homes. She believes that women are at the center and lifelines of the home and that a well-rounded woman is the foundation of raising grounded humans and it all starts within the home. She's on a mission to redefine what homemaking is and loves to help women with how to better manage their homes through teaching and mentoring and believes every woman can get to a place of balance within their homes and in all areas of their lives. Her tagline is Simple Tips for Home Bliss. Please welcome Trudy Maposa. Yes, oh snaps. <laughs> I was listening to that. I was like, who is she talking about? That's you, girl. That's <laughs> you. Oh, my gosh. Own oh, it. my goodness. I am so, so honored, happy, you name it, just to be here, to be talking to you. And wow, what an intro. Even I'm impressed. <laughs> You're so welcome. Welcome to the show, Trudy. And so happy to have you on the show and celebrate you during your season, Libra season. We're chit-chatting away before we started recording. Yeah. We turned into the astrology episode. We're like, that's not what we're here for. Well, I actually actually thought we had started recording, but anyway. It's completely fine. (laughs) That's the private podcast. Anyway, before we get into the juicy details about your life, I always uh, love to start with origin story because I'm a nerd and so you are a Zim Excellence superhero and every superhero has their own origin story. I'd love it if you could take us back in time. So you were born in Zimbabwe and you now live in Cleveland, Ohio. So take us behind this scenes and that whole journey. Are you ready? (laughs) 
Girl, we ready. We've been ready. <laughs> okay, so yeah, like you said, I was born in Zimbabwe in the 80s, 1980 to be exact, the year that Zimbabwe gained its independence. So I was one of those kids that had a great childhood in Zimbabwe in the early 80s. And I never thought I would have to leave Zimbabwe, you know, just watching my parents um I grew up in a middle-class uh, Zimbabwean home, and my parents had, you know, jobs, and they were good jobs, were well taken care of, and I just thought that would be my path as well, you know, where I would get an education in Zimbabwe, eventually get a job, settle, and, you know, I don't know, do whatever in Zim. But um, my dad, who is late um, now in the early 90s, he was like, I don't think things are going well in Zimbabwe. So he had a plan to get all of us, his kids out of Zim, uh, because he was a very well-traveled man. He used to come to the United States almost every year on business. And so he started this path of my kids have to go get an education in America. And at the age of 18, one guy straight after my A-levels, I left Zim and I want to cry and I'll tell you why, because I feel like I was so young. I feel like I didn't really get to live the life that I had imagined, you Mm. know, for myself in Zim. And so 18, I was just plugged out of everything that I knew and I moved to the United States and here I am 22 odd years later. (laughs) And yeah, and I actually have lived uh, most of my adult years here in the United States, but I have deep roots in Zimbabwe. And yeah, that that's and I'm I guess what I'm getting to is, you know, you talked about that journey and this is where we get to the homemaker piece because I'm a mom and I have children Mm -hmm. and I really want my children to have that part of my heritage, my culture. And so I feel like I'm that, that woman that's living the best of, you know, of both worlds, if you may. So that's how I'm here, Cleveland, Ohio in 2021. <laughs> so did you guys move to Ohio when you when you first left? Is that where you landed when you were 18? Oh my gosh, no. So I landed in Cincinnati and I went to Cincinnati State Technical College. So it was a two-year college and it was basically my, you know, my gateway, if you may, like to just figuring out things in America. And my dad mentioned, because I wasn't very strong academically. So oh, he was like, welcome to the yeah. club. <laughs> <laughs> we did all right. But kids, stay in school and please stay. study. Yes, study, study, study. Yes. But my dad, bless his heart, knew this about me. So he was like, I want you to start off at a two-year college and then see how things are working out for you in the U.S. And if you like it and if you feel like you can stay, then you stay. If not, you know, come back home. We'll figure out something. So I started out in Cincinnati and I didn't like it, Wungai. I was like there for three years. When and I hear it was Cincinnati, a... I just think of the zoo. The zoo. <laughs> 
The Cincinnati Zoo, yes. It's so big out there. Everybody loves the Cincinnati Zoo. But I mean, if you've been to a safari, you're kind of like, eh, it's a zoo. Yeah, you're like, I came from Zimbabwe. I came from Zimbabwe. What is this? Exactly. (laughs) Why are they locked up? Why are they not roaming? (laughs) Why are they not roaming? Yeah. But so I think it had to have been in my fourth year, I had gotten my associate's um, degree and I had also gotten my diploma in radio and TV broadcasting because that was like my passion. I was like, I might end up on TV. Who knows? Why are we the same person? (laughs) (laughs) But of course, it didn't work out that way. I did land a job in radio though. And I was like a producer and this was during my OPT time, right? Yes. Yeah. So for the listeners that might not understand, so OPT is your optional practical training. training. It is, it gives you one year of work within the field that you studied in after you graduate school. And so that's Mm -hmm. before, um, after your student visa, before you then apply for like a different visa. A different visa, correct. Mm -hmm. So during that time, I had made up my mind. I was working at this radio station. I was working for Radio One Cincinnati. And I started off as an intern, actually, as a receptionist. And then I ended up being an assistant producer for a talk show for a station called The Buzz. And I, I mean, I loved the aspect of my job, but I did not like my life outside of work. I felt Mm. very isolated. I felt like I really didn't have, um, you know, a good social life or connected with the American culture or people. So I just decided that I was going to go back home. And I, I spoke to my parents and my parents, again, very supportive. They were like, okay, if you feel like this is not working out for you, you can definitely come back home and figure out what you want to do with your life. But as fate would have it, a young man came into the picture. Uh Uh-oh. That's (laughs) trouble. (laughs) They are trouble. Let me tell you. My mind was made up. I was ready to go back to Zim. And I met a Zimbabwean guy through a mutual friend. And I don't know how it happened, but here we are. Uh, 17 years later this year, I'm still with this man and I still don't know what happened. I feel like you need to do one of those TikToks to be like, <laughs> how it started, how it's going. Or like, how, it's how going, we met. Right? Or like, can you, if, if, what was it? There's this one like TikTok or real thing where it's like, if you'd seen your relationship before like, and you knew what it was going to be like, would you be in it or whatever? Would you be, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I would be now that I'm older and wiser, but if you'd ask me that question maybe in my 20s I would have been like and no (laughs) this man (laughs) where yeah (laughs) a homemaker what 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 no girl you are so funny so before I forget so when you first moved to Cincinnati what were Mm -hmm. your like initial thoughts about America did you encounter culture shock Oh my gosh, did I? Culture shock is real. Yeah, because you lived in Zimbabwe for 18 years. And like basically, um, they say our voice and our like uh, accent is affected by places we've lived in five Uh years or more. And that's why mine is just so mixed. It's like now American, it's British, it's Zimbabwe. It's it's, It's a whole mix. But like Uh at the time that you moved, your accent would have been very Zimbabwean because that's all you knew. 
that's all I knew. And you can imagine my first day on campus. And I tell the story all the time. I was, I went to the cafeteria to grab lunch and talk about culture shock, the food. I was like, what in the world is this? (laughs) I had no idea what some of this food was. And so, you know, I'm just kind of following prompts. I'm watching people as they grab their tray. I'm like, oh, this is kind of like how it looks like on TV. You grab a tray and you you go down the line. Well, now I'm looking at that, you know, glass with the food and I am like, I know nothing. There was nothing that I, I knew. And the first thing that caught my eye was a chicken cordon bleu. Do you know what that is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That has like yeah. ham and, and cheese. Yeah. 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 And I was like, that looks, you know, like some kind of chicken, but I had no idea what it was called. So I got there and I was like, I want that. And I was pointing <laughs> at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, the what? And I'm like, that, that thing right there. So yeah, that was just culture shock. My accent was quote unquote off. You know, nobody you know, people had a hard time understanding me. I had a hard time understanding them. And it was, it was just a very difficult, you know, time for me. And there were so many nights where I would literally just cry myself to sleep and want to go back home. But I just Mm -hmm. didn't have the heart to call my parents and tell them, listen, this is really not working out. So I felt like after I had my, you know, my diploma, at least I could tell them, I came here, I tried it out, I have my diploma, now can I come back home? (laughs) And then this man happened. Uh oh. <laughs> he he done he caused the twist in the plan. That's oh my gosh. Yeah. And in, in a good way though. In a good way. Because again, I started out in Cincinnati. He lived in Cleveland. So this is our second time around in Cleveland. But when I met him, he was applying to business school. So he happened to get accepted at, you know, a great school in Philadelphia. So we had only been married like about six months. I had moved from Cincinnati to Cleveland. And six months later, we were on the road. We're moving to Philadelphia. Yes, (laughs) loved Philly, by the way. Loved, loved it. And so um, my now husband was, you know, studying for his MBA. And we had my daughter, you know, we had a little girl and, you know, it was, then I started like, again, culture shock. I have a baby. What do I do with this baby? (laughs) In this country, you know, I don't have anybody. And, you know, I, I, I believe that those, um, days are some of what, shaped what my passion is now, which is helping younger diasporan moms navigate this whole culture shock, this whole different that, you know, just different environment that you're in and you're trying to raise a child and just trying to figure out how do I want to raise my child? I want them to have those Zimbabwean roots, but they're also an American child in America. So how do I strike, you know, that balance? And I feel like just moving from state to state you know I did mention I have three kids and I had my kids in three different three different states by the way yes yes birth certificates I'm thinking about the birth certificates so we had my daughter in Cleveland Ohio and then my son was born in Philadelphia then my youngest was born in California so 
it was just all of that, you know, that experience of moving from state to state and um, befriending mothers, young mothers like myself from different cultures, um, you know, different parts of America, and just finding my own way and my own rhythm in motherhood and what I wanted to, you know, bring into my home and, you know, just feeling like this is something that I could help a young mom, young lady out there with, you know, if she's struggling with like some of the things that I struggled with. Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you have a message you want to share with the world or you think, ooh, it could be fun to have my own talk show like one guy, getting started is easier than ever. Here at Zim Excellence, we use Buzzsprout, which is hands down the easiest, most affordable, and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Start for free and list your show on directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more within minutes. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping and teaching you to succeed. Just check out their YouTube videos. They are filled with tons of information. So join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Sign up today using the link in the show notes or go to wongai.com forward slash podcast creation and you'll get a $20 credit if you sign up for a paid plan. It also helps support the show. So go ahead, sign up for Buzzsprout and keep me posted on your new podcast. Now back to the show. All right, Miss Trudy, who goes by Simply Trudy on the Instagrams, (laughs) I would love to just dive straight in to homemaking and Uh how you got into homemaking Mm because... When I think homemaking, I think, oh, she's Zimbabwean's Martha Stewart. But like, that's not, a, that's not exactly what it is. So please give us your personal definition of homemaking and also let us know a little bit about how you fell in love with it, with, with this passion. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Where do I start? Okay. So let's start with how mm-hmm. I fell in love with homemaking. So like I mentioned before, when my husband and I had been married like barely like a year, you know, we moved to Philly and he he was in grad school. And then after grad school, and I was working at the time and, you know, he was a full-time student and I was working and we had, you know, my daughter, the little girl, and she was in daycare at the time. And something about her being in daycare did not sit right by me. Don't get me wrong. The daycare she went to was great. She had great teachers and everything, but I just felt like I was missing out on a lot of, Mm. you know, milestones. Like imagine your daughter taking her first steps and you're not there to capture those, you know, those moments. And as a young mom, I was like, I don't want to be missing moments like this. So there was always this yearning of wanting to be really present with my children. And again, I feel like that yearning came from the fact that my mom was a working mom in Zimbabwe, you know, and when I had my child, I started reflecting and I was like, my mom would be gone all day, right? And then she would come home in the evening and we would 
barely see her and it would be time to go to bed. And, you know, Mm. the next day starts, we're going to school, she's going to work. And I was just like, you know, again, Zimbabwe had, you know, we had uh, helpers and maids. And I feel like we were raised by, you know, the nannies. Literally, literally. I'm like, when, when you said that, when you mentioned your mom coming back home, from work and then you seeing her and then maybe like did you do your homework go wash right. your face brush your teeth uh-huh. and then going to sleep it literally triggered some, and I'm like yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's uh-huh. so true that is true and then so just I had that yearning right and then my husband's first job out of grad school was in Seattle Washington and by then I had to two babies. My kids are very close in age. They're two years apart. And daycare, as you know, or I don't know, as our listeners know or don't know, is very expensive in, you know, in America. And I mentioned that, you know, in Zimbabwe, a lot of women middle, cl- in, you know, in middle class families, the women worked, they went to work yeah. and, you know, it was normal. But then I, I started looking around me and I'm observing these young American moms and a lot of them were stay-at-home moms. And, you know, they were taking care of their kids. And I was like, oh my gosh, they must be really wealthy in order for them to be able to, you know, stay at home and have like live on one income and stuff like that. And then in talking to them, you know, it's it it, it, it was like the norm. You know, a lot of them had gone to college, gotten married, and then they start having kids. And sometimes the cost of daycare is way more than they're making. And they're like, I'd rather, you know, quit my job. We just cut back on costs and I raise my kids and just be there, you know, for for my kids. This was a new concept for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as as a Zimbabwean girl because obviously, you know, when our parents send us overseas, it's so you get an education and you get a job. <laughs> a 9 to 5 job, you yeah. know. And here I was toying with the idea of being a stay-at-home mom or in the words of, you know, my parents, a, a housewife. Yeah, and I just imagine like a 50s housewife, if people saw WandaVision, like that 50s housewife who like the guy comes home from work. This is like Mm -hmm. a heteronormative couple. Guy comes home from work and she Mm -hmm. already has the pie ready from the oven. And how was your day, honey? How was your day? And And she's in heels. Yeah, and (laughs) and yeah, she's in heels and the guy dumps all of the stress that happened at work and doesn't ask about her day. About her day. Yeah. So this was the, I, you know, this was what my parents thought about when I, when I told them about, you know, you know, a lot of young moms here don't actually go to work. They stay at home. They take care of their kids and blah, blah, blah. And my dad had such a hard time with it, but my mom understood why I wanted to be, you know, a stay at home mom, because I explained to her, I was like, mom, we have a great relationship, but I really feel like you missed out on a lot of parts of my life, Mm. you know, by you going to work and, you know, coming home in the evenings. So long story short, I had to redefine what a homemaker is for myself so that I didn't feel like a less than, Mm. you know, imagine um, I was in my mid twenties around 20 five between the ages of 25 27 a lot of my friends at that age are had just you know entered corporate america their careers were taking off 
you know, they're traveling and they just like climbing up that corporate ladder. And here's little Trudy talking about, I want to be a stay-at-home mom. (laughs) (laughs) And just, you know, um, and I, I have to say, when I did say that to some of my friends, some of them thought I was very, it was lack of ambition. Like, really? You can go to work and yeah. uh, be a great mom. Why do you have to give up, you know, one thing in order for you to be this, you know, amazing mom? But thankfully, my husband understood exactly what I was saying and where I was coming from. And he was raised by a single mom. So he was like, I get what you're doing. And I think it's very important. And we will figure it out. You know, let's do this. So. I then decided that I would take homemaking and make it my job because I Mm. felt like I needed to like make it a job and make it meaningful when I explain it to people. And again, then I was worried about what people thought, what people would say, (laughs) you know? So I was like, you know what, I'm going to take this homemaking or housewife title and I am going to, you know, chip at it like a job like you know if I'm a project manager at a job how do I you know get that project signed off on and what this is how I'm going to run my home so my definition of a homemaker is that woman that's balancing it all guy she can be going to work but Mm -hmm. still running a very effective you know, household, because we are home managers. Once you come into the home and you have children, even if you have a job, you still have to manage your home to a certain extent, like be it uh, putting your kids into activities, picking them up, who is going to pick them up? What are we going to eat when we, you know, when the kids come back from school, who's making dinner tonight? You know, that's home management. That's a skill that Mm. not a lot of people have. And so for me, a homemaker is not that 50s housewife who's just, you know, waiting at home, baking pies, looking pretty and (laughs) waiting on hubby to get home. But she's a well-rounded, you know, educated woman who's running her household effectively. And, you know, that's my definition of a homemaker. I know it was long-winded, but I always feel like... I always feel like I need to give like a background, you know, so you can understand, you know, how I, you know, got to this place and my definition of, you know, a homemaker. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you would say that it includes, like you said, the home management. Um, Does that also include like curating the meals or like possibly decorating or is that the traditional kind of idea of (laughs) homemaking? I'm I'm thinking of like have you seen the home edit on Netflix? Oh my gosh, you would you would you'd love them. Well, I think you would oh, love them. There's these really? two ladies that like organize your house and like the way they do it is just so great and you have so much space and they organize the bookshelves by color and everything is wow. just very minimal. They're great. Yeah. On Netflix, wow. check it out. We are not sponsored, but yes. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but um so I feel like it's it's a mix it's it's a mix of of both the traditional mm-hmm. and you know non-traditional. And this is what I mean. Traditionally, um I don't know whose tradition this is anyway. It's society. <laughs> yes, society. <laughs> you know, the woman is the one that plans the meals, that makes sure the kids are clean and you know ready for school and all that. But again, 
the modern homemaker to me does not necessarily have to take on all that. She's managing her home and she's including her partner. I have an able-bodied adult in my home who happens to be my husband. And I don't have <laughs> <Yes>. to <laughs> I don't have to do it all, you know? And that's part of me managing my home, like telling him and communicating that, hey babe, I need help. Why delegating, don't you... yeah. <laughs> delegating, that's the word. <laughs> yeah. And what is delegating? It's part of managing your, you know, your life, your lifestyle. And so I do include the meal prep and everything, but part of my meal prep um is also getting, you know, like my husband and now my teenage kids involved in you know, that meal prep, like, so I only cook three times a week. Now my mm -hmm. husband cooks on one day and then once in a while when the kids are not, are not busy, they also cook. So, you know, it's the, again, the traditional and non-traditional, um, you know, housewife model, I guess that, you know, that I use. Yes. With mm -hmm. the raising, because you said it's in the home where, you know, we're raising these Humans. human beings who are then yes. going into the world and yes. doing whatever in the world. Yeah. How have you been able to kind of keep that balance of incorporating Zimbabwean values and then also acknowledging that you live in America and there's some sort of assimilation that's going to happen <laughs> along the way because they oh were my... born there. So they are American. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great question. So, um, you know, with, with culture, culture is very, I, I feel like culture is very fluid. And mm. I feel like when you, you know, when you know better, you do better. There's certain aspects of our Zimbabwean culture that I love. And there are definitely some aspects of it that I do not necessarily like. And I get the choice to pick the good and then take the good again, I get the choice to pick the good from, you know, the American culture, the good from the Zimbabwean culture and come up with this, for me, what I call a perfect mix. For example, we were raised to be respectful to our elders. Like if somebody walked into your house, an adult walked into the house, you had to acknowledge them. You had to sit down and ask them, how are you? How was your day? That's something that I expect from my kids in America. Whereas American kids, I cannot tell you how many households I walk into and these kids <laughs> don't even acknowledge me. And, you know, it's kind of like when you say hi, they look at you like you're crazy. Like, why are you even talking to me? See, but in my <laughs> teenagers will do that. You know, you say hi and they look at you like you're crazy. But yeah. my kids and I'll give you an example, like my daughter just this afternoon, I had a talk with her where grandma is currently visiting with us and she's staying with us. And yesterday grandma says to me, I did not see, you know, Shemiso. Shemiso is my, you know, my daughter's name. Um, the whole day yesterday while well, she's on the go. She comes from school and then she has after school activities. She's studying. She's doing all sorts of things. And today I pulled her to the side and I said, listen, you, I need you to make sure that every day that you come back from school, you go find grandma, you acknowledge her and you ask her how her day was because it's just rude to not do that. You know, when you have somebody else in the house, an adult, you have to acknowledge them and just say, good afternoon. How was your day? And, and you know, I and of course, <laughs> why are you triggered? Let me tell you, because she looked at me like I was crazy. And she's like, okay. You know? 
it's it's so so interesting to hear this from your perspective because I'm like for I've been on the perspective of like Shamisa like just being being multicultural and just mm-hmm. our very existence is just very it's very interesting it's also very confusing and and sometimes it's very exciting it's just a mixture of things but then sometimes it's just like I guess it's like I've I've had I've I guess been on the receiving end of like it's it's almost sounds like it's the end of the world and you just kind of don't get it because you're like moving between both so you're like trying to understand you're like okay i didn't say hello to her like she's mad that's what i was supposed to go find her but i was studying for my exams (laughs) but like the way you're explaining it makes me understand it and so i'm just laughing because i'm like oh I, i kind of get it now but like when you're in the moment you're like what did I do? What did, that's exact, that was her exact reaction. Yes. She looked confused and she actually said, did Gogo say that to you? That I didn't? And I, and she's like, she didn't even try to explain like I was studying. I had, she was like, okay, mom, I, I'll do it. And oh, that's I nice. love that you, you can relate to that because it makes me understand her reaction as well. Cause I was like, listen, this is what we do, you know, in our culture. It's yeah. not, it's not even like, uh, uh, how do I put it? It's not, I just think it's, it's rude, wrong guide, for yeah. to have, a, you know, an elderly person in the home and you don't acknowledge them. You don't say hi. Those are like some of the little things that I feel like we can hold on to and pass on to our Zimbabwean kids. Because honestly, I struggle when I get into some of these American households. And again, like I said, these teenagers that have like earphones, you know, headphones, and mm-hmm. they just like, they don't even acknowledge that there's an adult and there's no like eye contact. And I think those are just like basic um, etiquette um, or, you know, just human skills that you should have, you know, it's just common courtesy. If you yeah. can call it that. Yeah. So, so it's just, you no, need it's to... just yeah. It, I, <laughs> sorry to cut you off. It's okay. I just, it's just like growing up in my mind, I translated it as like, if I happen to be in the same room as the person, like, let's say I get up and I go to this room, I'll say hello. But it's not like I happen to be in my room the whole day and it's like, why didn't you say hello to this person? <laughs> like, obviously, it now makes sense now that I'm older. Mm-hmm. But when you're right. younger, it's so confusing. And so now, like being in at the age that I am now it's Mm -hmm. been this interesting thing of like seeing everything from the perspective of my parents and right and and I just like really applaud like diaspora and parents and like Mm -hmm. you know um parents raising their kids in different cultures because Mm -hmm. I just I cannot fathom being you know, early 20s, young new baby in a completely new culture that you don't even right. know that you're kind of confused mm-hmm. and you're learning as you go. But then this child is being raised either first generation or citizen. And right. for them, mm-hmm. this is the normal. And they're trying to connect to this culture. To this culture. <laughs> so so you've got the cult, the cultural relating, but then you yes. also have generational relating. So you have like, yes. let's say your... Um, your parents are from the 60s and you're mm-hmm. from the 90s. 
And right, so there's this right. whole three different generations in between yes. where you're mm-hmm. like, I don't understand the way you think when, you know, they're coming <laughs> like 60s counterculture or like if we're talking about right. the context of Zimbabwe, mm-hmm. racism and colonialism. Right. And then mm-hmm. the 90s were coming off of, you know, Britney Spears and Boys to Men. And Boys to Men. Berlin Wall just fell. The, but, you know, yes. who knows? You, you know, know, that's just something else that's happening. And they're like, what? <laughs> but yeah, so it, it is an interesting dynamic. And again, this is what I am trying to do for my kids, because I'm also trying to preserve a part of who I am, preserve it, and then also pass it down with the understanding that my children are first-generation Americans, right? So my husband and I are patriarchs of some sort, right? And so years from now, when we're long gone, we are the template that the generations that are coming after us are going to have to look at. So in as much as some of these things, like greeting your elders sounds ridiculous, I want to say my my daughter will remember this. My children will yes. remember this. And they will pass this down to their kids. Whether their kids do it or not is totally different. But having that, you know, that oral tradition, that ability to tell that story of saying, do you know that when I was a teenager and my grandmother was visiting us from Zimbabwe, one of the things that my mom required of me was to acknowledge and greet her every single day when I came back from school, mm. you know, and how, how is history preserved? Like a lot of it is through oral tradition, right? So I'm very intentional about some of these things. I know they sound ridiculous, but I know that this is going to be passed down the generations. Cause even when they tell their kids, my hope is their kids will pass it down and be like, can you believe what my mom told me? She said that grandma, <laughs> I think, I think, Trudy, it's all about the intention behind it. So it's not necessarily mm-hmm. that it's ridiculous. It's that, I guess, when I was younger, um, when I was younger, it was from the point of, like, I would be in trouble, but I didn't know why I was in trouble. I was just being told, you have to do the thing, but I didn't understand <laughs> why. And as I'm right. older, now I've been able to then ask follow-up questions. And right. so I feel like you and my mom do this really a great thing of then you you then be able to then explain oh because it it will be perceived as this oh it means this because Mm -hmm. in our cultural this 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 and then when you hear that you're like oh Oh. because it's almost (laughs) like you know when you visit another country let's say you go into maybe an asian culture you don't want to accidentally like offend them so then that makes sense yeah so Mm -hmm. it's it's Mm -hmm. only from the perspective of if i'm just told don't do the thing. I'm I'm someone who gets anxious instantly. So I'm just like, what did Why? I do? Why am oh. I in trouble? But if you then say, oh, that thing you did mm-hmm. was was not right because X, Y, Z, and it, it means this, that's when I'm like, Correct. oh, I'm so sorry. Okay, sorry. I'm going to make yeah. sure going forward, this, this, this. So it's not yeah. ridiculous. It's just like <laughs> the intention of like, just don't yell at the person for doing okay. the thing when they don't understand why. I, I, I hear you, but to <laughs> yeah. a 16 year old, that's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And it, it's like written all over their faces. Like, uh, okay. If you insist. <laughs> 
So yeah, but I get what you're saying. I feel, and this is what I'm hoping for is for my children to be like you, where when they're older, they can go back and you know reflect on you know some of these things and then make sense of it and then understand that mom was just trying to uphold or hold on and preserve a part of her culture. Yeah. At the end of the day, parents are just doing the best that they can. And Mm -hmm. there is literally no guidebook for parenting. Like, sure, someone can write a book and publish it, but there's like no such thing. So I have to remind myself that, you know, my parents were also children and their parents were also children. Children. Mm -hmm. This whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, it's all trial and error. Like I freak out about when I'm going to be a parent where I'm like, am I going to this or or use the, and I'm uh, I'm like, I'm not even, (laughs) I'm not even there yet. And I'm already getting confused about like, oh no, am I losing my culture? (laughs) What culture are my children going to be? But let me tell you, the beauty of it is you get to define what parts of your culture you want to pass down to your kids. And like I said, the good that I can pass down, I definitely want to do that. And the ridiculous (laughs) and the stuff that I don't understand, trust me, it's staying there. I'm not Mm -hmm. taking that. But that's a whole topic for another day where we will talk about the generational, you know, Different bring you back. <laughs> oh my gosh. Do I have stories for you? Because now you, you have a 70-year-old, that's my mom, a mm-hmm. 40-year-old born in Zimbabwe during a different time altogether. Yeah. And then you have me, 40-year-old who born lived free. half her life in yeah, born free, lived half my life in Zimbabwe, half my life in the United States, and this first generation American born in the 2000s wow trudy are you ready for our lightning round yeah (laughs) should i be scared no (laughs) i just want to be mindful of your time so let's let's get you into lightning round okay so we know your zodiac is libra so i'm not going to ask you that are you an early bird or a night owl night owl Sweet. What is the last song you listened to? Uh, I want to dance with somebody this evening. Hey, <laughs> Houston. It was a party, <laughs> yeah. y'all. Uh, yeah. last, <laughs> what's the last book you read? Oh, my gosh. The Other Black Girl. I forget oh, I who the author it. is. It's on the New York uh, bestsellers um, list. Do you have a favorite movie from this past year or award season? The Aretha Franklin. Is it? A, no. Oh, um respect respect <laughs> I yes. had to sing the Why song can I not? I'm tired can out. you tell like my brain is like it's okay right it's, it's the end of the day for both of us <laughs> oh favorite holiday Thanksgiving Oh, favorite Zimbabwean musician Ja Praza do you have a favorite Zimbabwean childhood snack oh yeah my things I love it. I I think you're the third person who said that. Uh, Most controversial question of all, mazoi orange versus mazoi green. Ah, there's no question. Mazoi orange, period. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this is a power statement. It starts, I am Zim Excellence because blank and you fill out the blank. 
I am Zim excellence because I can survive and thrive anywhere you throw me in the world. I love that so much. Yeah. Yeah. If you could nominate someone for the award of Zim excellence, who would it be? Dr. Mati. I forget her last name. Let me look her up. She was just named St. Louis's public health director. Amazing. And I think she's the definition of Zim Excellence. You should connect with her, actually. Mm. Her name is Mati Sachoayo Davis, and she's the director of health of infectious diseases. And she's a physician in, I believe it's St. Louis, but she's always like a guest uh, correspondent, I think, on NBC. And oh, she's wow. always, she's amazing. You have to follow her and you have to connect with her. That's amazing. I'll, I'll see if I can, I, I can um, look into her. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so going back, how have you been able to cultivate a community, whether it's a Zimbabwean community or um, like mom community? Oh, gosh. Thank God for technology. You know, um, I currently actually have a group of about six young wives and mothers, Zimbabwean, mm-hmm. that I I um, I mentor through a WhatsApp group. Yeah. And I'm also part of other groups like on Facebook um, that have like mothers, Zimbabwean mothers from all over the world. And those groups are very helpful because we share a lot of experiences that we perhaps cannot talk about in person because we all scattered around the world. So I, I think those like, you know, technology, obviously the, the face group, mm-hmm. Facebook groups and, you know, the WhatsApp tongue tied. And how are you able to um, practice self care? Oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, I really, I, I say no when I cannot do something. And, you know, my, one of my biggest forms of self-care is, is napping. I feel like when I nap, girl, I, <laughs> I, I love a good nap. I love sleep. I get my 10 hours. People are like, how you get 10 hours? I'm like, I have to get 10 hours have, or I'm not the best person in the world. You know what? And I completely understand that. I, I, I love to sleep. I have to get my at least eight hours and I recharge by napping like power naps. You'll catch me uh, taking a 30 minute nap and, you know, I just feel recharged and like ready to carry on with any busy day. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Trudy, it was so wonderful to have you on the show. We'll be back for all the part twos and threes and fours and fives. <laughs> but as we wrap up, I would love it if you could share a message with our listeners, as well as letting them know how they can work with you, find out more about you, as and and how they can continue to follow your journey, whether that's on a website, Instagram, or Twitter. Well, thank you so much, Fungai, again. It's been such an honor and so much fun to be here with you on the Zoom Excellence podcast. I think it's an amazing platform, and I think you're doing great, like just shining the light on Zimbabwean people. And for anyone who wants to follow my journey, they can follow me on Instagram. I post almost daily on Simply Trudy dot M. That's on Instagram, or you can go to my website, which is www, is that three? 
www.simplytrudy.net or you can catch me on Facebook, Simply Trudy, uh, on um, Simply Trudy. Yeah. Sweet. All of those links will be uh, down in the show notes. And was there a message that you wanted to share with our listeners? My message is, you know what, just be true to to yourself and to your journey. I did mention in the beginning how in my 20s, I felt like a less than because I had a passion for just being at home with my kids and raising my kids as opposed to following, you know, a set career path or a set, you know, I, I don't know, journey that is carved out by society. And all I can say is just, you know, do what sets your soul on fire. You know, deep down in your heart, what you, you want to do or how you want to live your life and do not be afraid, you know, to do that. It's very rewarding. Sweet stuff. Thank you so much, Trudy. Have the best day. Thank you. Thank y'all so much for coming to the party. Majita Tatenda Siabonga. Nah, for real. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Zim Excellence. If you found value from this episode, please share it with a friend and go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review. If you send me a screenshot of your review, I'll make sure to give you a shout out on future episodes. Feel free to tag us on Instagram at Zim Excellence Podcast. And if you identify as Zimbabwean, I want to hear your story, so go ahead and email zimexcellencepodcast at gmail.com. Till then, have the best week and stay Zim Excellent.